Father, once again we come to you. You heard our worship. You heard our prayer. Yes, Lord, blessed are the poor in spirit. Yes, Lord. Father, we just want to empty ourselves this evening so that you can fill us. Father, you are the source of everything. Unless you give us your word and feed us, nothing else, Father, would matter. Every idea, every thought would be the thoughts and ideas of man, not the burden of God, a burden of the Heavenly Father. I pray, Father, that, Lord, you would truly speak to us this evening, your word, your burden to your people, so that we can, Lord, be transformed a little more into your likeness, a little more, O Lord, that we will walk closer to you, we'll become more obedient, we'll become less of sinners, we'll walk more by faith and less and less by sight. To that end, we, we ask you that you bless the speaking and the hearing of this word and you would anoint each one of us, me as I speak and all of us as we hear. Keep me, Lord, Father, from error and cause us all to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name, Amen. Last Wednesday, uh, we were looking at one of the attributes of God, a God of faithfulness. Now, when the pastor was talking about the attributes of God, I was so thrilled because that was one thing that I was reading a lot. And A.W. Tozer, uh, if you know, had written two volume series called The Attributes of God, where he is absolutely magnifying God in every page of that book. And one of the attributes of God he talks about is a God who is a God of faithfulness. And that is something which we need to study. We need to study God. We need to really, really study Him. That is the only way by looking up to Him as to who He is and what He had become for us. That is the only way we will change. And that is the reason why I titled this message as uh, we become the God we worship. He's the God of faithfulness. If you remember last time, last time Pastor was talking about. And that is what he requires from each one of us. Faithfulness. Stewardship, he needs faithfulness. As a husband, he needs faithfulness. As a father, he needs faithfulness. As a brother in the church, he needs faithfulness. As a congregation member, he needs faithfulness. As an elder... That is one attribute of God that he surely wants to rub onto us. And that is the reason why we study him so that we can become like him. We truly become like the God we worship. The God, a small God, whoever God is. That is that is what theology is all about. The definition of theology from uh, from the dictionary is study of the nature of God. That is what theology is all about. It's not going to Bible college and doing theology. What are, what are you doing? I'm doing theology. It's a very, very, very vague and very uh, bad use of words. Theology is the study of who God really is. The highest form of study that you can ever engage yourself in. Okay. 
Um, when it was quite, when I came from uh, the secular field of study to this field, everybody was saying, Vijay, you're going to become a pastor. I mean, they were looking at it as a demotion. I was thinking it was a promotion. It is really a promotion because from studying robots, I was now going to study him. <laughs> that is, I was very enthusiastic about robots. Now I have to be enthusiastic about him. You know why the word enthusiastic and I'm sure if many of you have heard pastor talking about that word enthusiastic. It comes from the word, the Greek word enthos, which means possessed by a God. Whoever that God is. I mean, completely occupying oneself in a study of a God. Enthusiastic about sport means possessed by an athlete. <laughs> Whatever he does. Possessed by, mu- enthusiastic about worship, or sorry, of, of music means possessed by a God called music. Enthusiastic about soccer and football means possessed by a God called Messi. That's what it is. You become like the God you worship. Ultimately, you want to play like Messi, but you do everything else other than play like Messi. You dress like Messi. You have a hairstyle like Messi. You walk like Messi, but you definitely don't play like Messi. You see, you're all enthusiastic about him. But you know, God, that is the reason why he's a God of faithfulness. And why we study him is because God says, the more you study me and the more you behold me, the more you will become like me. And I'm a faithful God. And I'm a God of faithfulness. And I want all of us to be faithful. Of all the attributes of God, this is one attribute I'm sure is very rare. Because if we are unfaithful, he still remains faithful. When the Son of Man comes, will he he find faithfulness on earth? Look at what Proverbs chapter 20 verse 6 would say. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find a rhetorical question. Faithful man, very rare to find faithful people. Very rare to find even in your own organization, if you ha- if you had an organization, very rare to find faithful employees who share the burden of the organization. Everybody is looking for a career. They're not looking for being faithful. You see? Another translation, I think this is a KJ, we will say, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. But a faithful man, who can find? Who can find? I believe God is shaping us into people like that. He's wanting. One of the things that he wants in each one of us is faithfulness. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That is what he's looking at, every servant, faithfulness. And he wants to conform us to that. Greg Beale, I'm sure most of you haven't read him. I read him. Neither did I read him. He wrote a book called We Become the God We Worship. I just, one quotation from that book cited in a, in a, in a, in a website. What people revere, they resemble. Either for ruin or for restoration. Amazing. What people revere, they resemble. Either for ruin or for restoration. 
we either revere the world and are conformed to the sinful patterns of the world or we revere, revere God and are progressively conformed to his likeness. Notice the word progressively. It is not going to happen in a day. It is progressive, progressive. It's consistent one day, one step at a time, possibly several failures on the way, several, several shortcomings on the way, but we don't give up. It is a progressive moving towards conformity and it's not going to be uh, this life, lifestyle, live, lifetime will not be sufficient for that. It's going to be, but it's sure there is walking towards perfection is working towards that. We revere the world, either revere the world and are conformed to the sinful patterns of the world or we revere God and progressively are conformed to his image. That is the reason why the greatest sin is the sin of exchange. Amazing. That is the reason why in Romans chapter 1 it says, in Romans chapter 1 he says, for although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, but became futile in their thinking. And their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise. They became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God. Into images made us corruptible man. That is what happens when you replace God with a person. Many Wives idolize their husbands. Your husband can never satisfy you. Never. For sure he will not. Your wife can never satisfy you. Your friends will never be able to satisfy you. No relationship on this world can satisfy you. It is only God. But if you exchange the glory of the incorruptible God into anything made as corruptible man, you know what happens? God gives you up to dishonorable passions. To fulfill the lusts of your heart. To the dishonoring of your bodies. That's exactly what happens. You exchange the glory of God. Your bodies which are supposed to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. Become, will be given over to dishonorable passions. And what is the path way back to conformity? You know what he says in Romans chapter 12 verse 1. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, offer what now? Your bodies. Offer your bodies and be transformed into the image. By the renewing of your mind. That is the path. And that is what is happening here. What is happening in the middle of this work week? Tired. Heard a lot of employees, possibly, and your fellow employers, what have you, all kinds of voices you heard, and you came here. But what are you doing? You're offering your eyes, your ears, your your brain, your mind, all the energies that you have right now. You're literally listening and saying, "Lord, I offer my body, transform. Let me be transformed in your image, so that I can be at least minimally in one step." Will be transformed into you. That is exactly what he's he's doing. Second Corinthians chapter three verse eighteen. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. My cousin, his name is Prasanna. He got really recently married. He surprised me by writing an incredible song. This is what the gospel does. Transforming from glory to glory. You know, the, the title of the song is From Faith to Faith, Glory to Glory. 
<laughs> when I heard the song, I said, Prasanna from where did you get this? I called him, I said, where did you get this? He said, and I was praying in the morning and God gave me the song. Is that, that's exactly what the gospel is. He says, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness which is from faith to faith. And what does it do? In that, if you hear the gospel and if you allow your mind to be transformed by the words of the gospel, what happens? You are transformed from glory to glory by faith to faith. From faith to faith to glory to glory. Faith to faith, glory to glory. Awesome. Therefore, it's such an important thing. Therefore, when we come in the morning or in the evening or Sunday morning or Wednesday evening, when we come, it's to adore God. To worship Him is so important. Psalm 115 verses 3 to 9. Many of us know this verse, uh, this, this psalm, but for those of you who don't know, but our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Their idols are of silver and gold. The work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. (laughs) Feet they have, but they do not walk. Nor do they mutter through their throat. Those who make like them are like them. I mean, when I was growing up, really, I, one of the characters I used to really like in the Hindu mythology was Hanuman. Those days when I used to see Hanuman, he was well built, but with a tummy. But over a period of time, Hanuman has changed. Now those days heroes used to have tummy, these days heroes have six pack. Now you have six pack Hanumans everywhere. You have you seen it? Because they want to become like him. And, I mean, God in my image, basically. So is everyone. And you see now with Hanuman with torso and uh, abs coming up, what have you. (laughs) So easy. But he says, oh Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. He is their help and their shield. There was one man in the old covenant. I mean, I think I possibly the, the most 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 important, important uh, character in the Old Testament, whom I love, and I'm sure many of you love him as well. His name is Moses. You know, he was one man. He said, Lord, I need you. I need you. Look at his prayer in Deuteronomy chapter 33, verses 13 to 14. Now, therefore, I pray. Make this your prayer, saints. Therefore, I pray. If I have found grace in your sight, show me your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider this, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. What does he say? Show me your way so that I may what? Know you. Show me your ways. Tell me how do I do things. Not that I'll succeed. Not I'll become successful. Show me your ways so that I will know who you are. You see, there's a lot of difference. That is the reason why he made his ways known unto Moses. But his acts unto the children of Israel. Children of Israel were only interested in miracles. Oh, but that is remarkable, isn't it? Remarkable. That is the reason why the high writer of Hebrews chapter in chapter 3, he will say, you know what he will say? Therefore, the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion when your forefathers heard me. 
provoked me. You know, how did they provoke me? They saw my works by provoking me. They were testing me. They did not see my works by asking. Yes, Exodus 33 verses 13 to 14. And he said, I may know you. C.S. Lewis is one of his famous quotations. He, He tells us the difference between what is thanksgiving and what is worship. They're not the same. Of course, we know it. But he puts it in a beautiful way. He says, this is what he gives a difference, a difference between thanksgiving and worship. Look at it, he says, gratitude exclaims very properly. How good of God to give me this? Adoration says, what must be the quality of that being whose far off and momentary coruscations, that's a difficult word, I have to go to the dictionary and find out what this is. This is what happens when you read C.S. Lewis. What must be the quality of that being who is far off and momentary glimpses of glory? That is the reason why hymn writers were, he says, Then sings my soul, my savior got to thee. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe display. When I walk through the forest and the forest glades I wander and hear the brook singing quietly in the breeze and, and, and hear the birds singing quietly in the breeze when I look down from lofty mountain grandeur then, then I say oh, then I proclaim, there proclaim my God how great thou art then sings my soul, my savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art What must be the quality of that being? Every pleasure that you enjoy. Hmm. I mean, what did God say? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He did not say that. But did God not make bread? I mean, he did not make bread. Did he not give us the brains to cultivate grain? Yes. Did Did he not give us the brains to crush the grain? Yes. He did not give us the brains to make a dough out of the grain? Yes. Did he not give us the brains to make the bread and bake the bread from that grain? So that when you eat it, you say, Lord, <laughs> what an awesome God. When you eat or you drink, what should you do? All for the glory of God. Those pleasures. I mean, increasingly, I'll tell you something. I increasingly, when people come and ask me, I mean, recently one of the brothers who came from Chennai, he asked me, you know, a lot of people uh, in his fellowship ask him, is it wrong for us to watch movies? As a Christian? And, I, and he says, Anna, how should I answer him? I said, you know something, a lot of us, we live in this, in this, in this, in this thing that, uh, when you come to Christianity, you have to leave all that pleasure. Oh, it's so difficult. Oh, I should forgive. I have to forgive. I mean, not watch movies. I should not watch television. You know what has happened to you? You are at Christianity version 1.0. Where you have to have props and television series and entertainment to keep you, you know, give you some solace and take your stress away. But Christianity 12.0 is different. That version is different. Where God is your ultimate joy. You enjoy God. I mean, you are still living there. <laughs> you still need movies to give you, take your stress off. I mean, Christianity doesn't come and say, don't watch movies. It does not say that. 
It says what pleasure you derive from watching movies, you can get infinitely more pleasure than by spending time with me and enjoying me. What must be the quality of that? Because look at C.S. Lewis, how he just gets those things into his mind. What must be the quality of that being whose far off and momentary coruscations, coruscations are like this? Imagine the brilliance of the movie makers. Imagine the mind of the movie maker. Imagine the God who made that mind. Amazing. 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 If, that is the reason why John Piper says, education is for exaltation. Not exaltation, exaltation. E-X-U-L-T-A-T-I-O-N. If you don't know the word, go, go up and look it up in the dictionary. Exaltation. Education, for example. You get educated so they can enjoy God. You see, I'm becoming a Christian hedonist, am I not? <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 33, look at what happens. This is the guy. This is the guy, what happens to him. He, this is again Exodus chapter 33. Sorry, not Deuteronomy chapter I'm so sorry, I apologize. Why am I stuck in Deuteronomy? That is because I love it. Yeah. That's one of my favorite, five of the favorite books. Pastor James loves Genesis. I love Deuteronomy. The rest of you love the re- everything in the middle. Okay. <laughs> Genesis, I love Deuteronomy. See, the Pentateuch is there in this church. Exodus chapter 33 verses 18 to 9. And he says, and he said, please now, you show me your ways, Lord. Okay, fine. I, I, I'm getting your ways now, Lord, but I want to see your glory. Okay, you give me these ways, but I want to enjoy the mind who can think like this. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you and etc, etc, etc. Remember that? But he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. That is the reason why I like John Wesley. You know what he said? To thee great God of love I bow and prostrate in thy sight adore. By faith I see thee passing by. I have, but I ask for more. A glimpse of love cannot suffice my soul for all thy presence, Christ. If I cannot see thy face and live, then let me see thy face and die. Moses, thy backward parts could see. Moses, thy backward parts could see. But not a perfect sight obtain. The gospel all thy fullness show to us by the commandments slain. The debt to sin shall find thy grace. The pure in heart shall see thy face. If I cannot see thy face and live, then let me see thy face and die. You know who taught us the song? Three people in this church who sang it for the offertory. And one of them when he was practicing, you know what he said? I can't sing the song. Because I don't mean it. He's no more in this church. And when he sang that song, when I realized it was John Wesley, that is the reason why John Wesley was a man of the Methodist movement. He finished what he started with such burden. You know why? Because he said, Lord, if I cannot see thy face and live, then let me see thy face and die. You know what happens when you die? You are hid in the cleft of the rock, rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee and behold the glory of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and full of truth. If I see you, I've seen the Father. You know why? 
God who at sundry times and diverse manners. Polytropos, polymeros in the Greek. Who has spoken to our fathers through the prophets in these last days has spoken to us through his son. Whom he has made the heir of all things. By whom he has made the worlds. Who is the radiance of the father's glory. The exact representation of his person who holds all things by the word of his power. He having purged our sins, has sat down at the right hand of the Most High, having been made more excellent than all the angels, because he, by inheritance, has obtained a much more excellent name than they. You see him, you've seen the Father, and you have beheld beheld his glory. So what happens to this man? (laughs) What happens to Moses? What happens to this guy when you want to adore God, you want to enjoy God like this and you ask him for his glory and say, Lord, show me you. I want to know you. You know what happens? You get a revelation about who God is through this man. And that is a song that we sing, right? This is Deuteronomy for sure. No, this is not Exodus. Okay. Deuteronomy chapter 32 verses 1 to 4. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. You see what happens? What your heart is full of, that's exactly what comes. Your heart is full of God. What will come? Exaltation of God. Let my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as a dew, as rain drops on the tender herb and a showers on the grass. Hebrew is beautiful. This is what happens when you translate poetry. How do you translate? Kalam hai mere paas, kagaz hai mere paas, par dil hai tere paas. How do I translate that? Very difficult. I have pen, I have paper, but I don't, my heart is with you. You cannot translate it that way, isn't it? The language actually destroys the poetry. That's exactly what happened in English, but that's okay. No problem. But we'll satisfy ourselves with this. And then the next verse. For I proclaim the name of the Lord. Ascribe oh, greatness to our Lord. This is, this is from where we get this word. How great is our God. Gadol Elohim. That's the exact word in Hebrew. Ascribe greatness. Gadol Elohim. Gadol, Elohe, Shiruki Gadol. Remember that song that we sing? How great is our God? The Hebrew rendering of an English song. <laughs> we're going to go, we're going the reverse these days, but that's okay. And you, you know what he says? Ascribe greatness to our God. Parak. He's, his work perfect. He's not, his work is perfect. His work perfect. For all his ways, justice. Not our justice. All his ways, justice. A God of truth, of course. Or faithfulness, other translations. And without iniquity or injustice, righteous and upright is he, is a revelation of a man who has spent time with God and he's telling us these are the attributes of God. That is what we learned. And this is interesting, the order. He's God, he's rock. His work perfect. His way justice. In other words, he's a rock means he's absolutely unmovable. You cannot just move him. That's what we looked at last time. He's faithful to his word, meaning whether good or bad, he will not change. He is faithful to the good part and faith. I was like, boy, that is awesome. I never heard that before. I said, thank you, God, for telling me that. Because whenever I talk about God's faithfulness in my heart, oh, because God is loving, God is kind. But God is also stern. God is also righteous. God is also holy. Consider the goodness of God. God consider the severity of God. His work perfect, meaning, the next one he says, his work perfect. 
But how does he accomplish his perfect work? Ways of justice. He doesn't use crooked paths to accomplish his perfect work. He's a God of faithfulness. He's without inequity. He's righteous. He's upright. And that's what we looked at. You see that? What is in the center? How do you get the center of an odd number? 7 plus 1 by 2. Is equal to? 4. You see that? That is one thing which holds everything together. The God of faithfulness. So what happens to this man who understands God this way? What happens to him? If he's ascribing greatness to the God who's faithful and worshipping is a God who's faithful, what should he become? Answer? Faithful. Thank you. You see that? That's what the writer of Hebrews will say. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and the high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Look at this comparison, okay? Look at this comparison. I'm telling you, the book of Hebrews is an awesome, awesome book. This comparison is just phenomenal. Book of Hebrews, actually, if you read the book of Hebrews, is trying to establish the supremacy of Christ. So if you read the first two chapters, it says Christ greater than the angels. If you read chapter 4, Christ greater than Joshua. If you read chapters 5, Christ greater than Aaron. Christ having an everlasting priesthood of the order of Melchizedek. But if you read chapter 3, look at this comparison. Okay, I want you to see this. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and the high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him, who appointed him, as also was Moses. You see that? He's just, as far as the faithfulness attribute is concerned, he's, Moses is just like God. Boy. Faithful in all his house. Amazing. Yes, he was superior to Moses. He says, of course, uh, but he was considered worthy of more glory than glory, glory and honor than Moses because the building of a builder of a house has much more, much, much more, much more glory than the building, etc. Moses was faithful in all of God's house as a servant, but Jesus was faithful in all of God's house as a son. But look at the attribute. He's only, a son is definitely more superior than a servant, but both of them are faithful. Faithful. Because you become like the God you worship. It's amazing. It's amazing. Numbers chapter 12. is. This is a direct quotation of course from Numbers chapter 12 verses 6 to 8. And he said, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I the Lord make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. That's how I do it. Not so with my servant Moses. He's faithful. You see that? In all my house with him, I speak mouth to mouth. Amazing. Clearly, not riddles. And he what? Look at that. The last adjective. And he beholds the form of the Lord. And so what happens to this man? When he's speaking with God face to face, the glory of God will rub onto you, right? That's exactly what will happen to you, right? Look at what what happens. And this is Exodus chapter 34, verse 29. 
And now it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai the two, and the two tablets, tablets of, of the testimony were in Moses, were in, were in Moses' hand when he came down from the mountain that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with them, with him. And what, and whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of his face shone, then Moses would put a veil on his face again. I mean, can you imagine if this can happen to a man in the new, in the old covenant? How much more you and I? Of course, ours is not an ostensible glory, but it is, it gets radiated through the face. Do you know that? I mean, I remember the testimony of one of the brothers who came to our church. He was, he, he knows a friend who invited Zach Punan to his home and he is now a pretty old man. He's keep, he keeps traveling. So when he invited Zach Punan to his home, he, this brother also was invited to his house for the prayer meeting, for the meeting. It was a small house meeting. So he went to meet, meet uh, I mean, went for the meeting and he met Zach Punan. You know what he said? Vijay, when I saw his face, why it's shining. The glory of God on his face. I said, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I will not be. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I mean, I've seen men of God. When you look at them, they don't look handsome. They, don't, they not, may not be handsome the way that you treat handsome, but there's a glory that's coming from them. Ah, it's a glory. I mean, I see Sundar Krishnan with a well, absolute gray hair. But look at the way he dresses. Do you see? Perfect. A tie always there in that perfect position. I mean, I look at the dressing and I look at my dress and Baba. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that, 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 uh, that suit and, uh, it's so conservative, but there is glory in that conservative dressing. Amazing. Amazing. So important for us to understand that. Because in Jesus, you will not have a beauty that you will desire him. But the sinners and the tax collector were attracted to him. Because they saw something in him. The glory of God. And we beheld his glory. In fact, actually, that glory was actually hidden them, hidden Jesus Christ. And for a few minutes, they were transfigured. That's it. Everybody fell flat on their face. And Peter opened his mouth. You see. We become like the gods we worship, saint. That is the reason why you cannot spend time in the presence of God and not have joy. No way. No way. No way. No way. No way. Boring Christian is a oxymoron. Is an oxymoron. Is an oxymoron. I mean, this is a challenge that I always have. When brothers come to me, they should be fired up after listening to me. Not my own ideas. But I spent time with God. God spoke to me. You know what? God spoke to me. And they look at me and they say, I want God to speak to me that way. He says, yeah, that's what I've done. I've drawn you close to God. Boring Christian is an oxymoron. You cannot have boring Christians. They are having a, something about them that just gets gets you attracted. That is so. That is the reason why First Peter chapter 1 verse 8 will say, if you don't have to turn there, he says, whom you have not seen, yet Believe. You do not see, I'm not, you, you do not see him then, but you love him, but you do not see him now, but believe in him, and you are filled with rejoicing, joy, and rejoicing which is full of glory, inexpressible joy which is full of glory, inexpressible joy. 
which is full of glory. And how did you get this joy? Because you had righteousness in your life. You had peace in your life. And therefore you have the joy. And one of the things that I believe as, 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 as a teacher of the word of God is my desire to fight for your joy. Work for your joy. Not in myself, but in God. Second Corinthians one twenty four for you, if you don't know that verse. That has been like a challenging verse for me. We are servants for your sake, for your joy. First Corinthians one twenty four. Second Corinthians one twenty four. But the point here though is, if we want to be transformed this way, what, what is the quintessential tool? There are several tools that God gives. What is the quintessential tool that God gives, especially to those in 21st century Christianity? What is that quintessential tool that God gives so that we will be conformed to his image? Whom he has foreknown, he has predestined them to be conformed to the image of his son. And those whom he has predestined, them also he has called. Those whom he has called, them also he has justified. Though he has justified, them also he has glorified. So what is the quintessential tool for this process of just from justification, through sanctification, unto glorification? What is that tool that God uses? And this is something which I have discovered in my own life. This is something not, this is not real theory. This is theory in my mind. But I have lived this out at least to a certain extent. It's mentorship. Go ye and make what? A disciple reflects the image of the glory of God, right? Why? Why should he make him a disciple? What was Jesus? In Isaiah 50. A disciple. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the disciple. Morning by morning, he awakened me. He was a disciple. Young brothers, God is interested in making you disciples. And therefore, the the tool that he chooses is mentorship. And we in India should never ever be surprised with this. Right from our Gurukul, it was really Gurukul. Matru Devo, Pitru Devo, Atidi Devo. What is it? Acharya Devo. Acharya Devo. Acharya Devo. Amazing. This is something which is not new to our culture. It's very, very new to Western culture. Because there the earth is flat. That was the first time when I went to Canada. The professor was being called by name. By his student. Uh, Amir. We should do, I said, who's Amir? That is my prof. And who are you? His student. And you're calling him Amir. I mean, never happens in India. Never. And, I, and I'm, I'm telling you, honestly, when I came back to India, my, my boss's name was Madhav. And I was actually talking to somebody. Very casually, I said, Madhav said this. Or oh, somebody, somebody else. And then my sir heard me. He just opened the door of <laughs> my office and he came inside. Because my door is a glass door but with a small 
small you know opening and you can hear whatever is happening inside and my voice is can go through the window also soundproof is not there and madhav said this and then he just opened the door vijay uh you called me mother i mean i don't mind you calling me mother but <laughs> i was like my god for a minute i was startled no startled when he has bald head and he just does this but it was amazing how casual then that after that after a few years i mean 2 3 years i started recollecting that man how come i became so casual and pastor comes and tells some sudden things about how he honors authority i mean i was put to shame i was reminded of that i had to repent of it and after that i never never in any of my letters any of my emails any of my sms in any of my conversations i never let those words come out of my mouth and neither did i let others ridicule my boss never never it will go well with you sense i have i have tested that in my own life i have tested it in my own life i'm not giving you some theory i have tested it in my own life and i'm telling you honestly you can come and ask my parents my boss respects me because of that the first time when his wife was diagnosed with with cancer leukemia he called me and he started crying and he said can you please pray to your god i mean he never never became a christian but you know he'll see that start respecting I mean, I may not have been a very successful PhD student, but surely I was successful in terms of representing God there, because I understood this principle: mentorship. I'll tell you why this is important. We become like the God we worship. Just keep that in mind, even as we progress. First Corinthians chapter four, verse fourteen to seventeen. This is Paul. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children. i warn you you are my children my children for though you might have 10000 instructors in christ yet you do not have many fathers for in christ jesus i have begotten you through the gospel boy that is the reason why john bunyan says look at this man these are the people who have the ability to give birth men who have the ability to give birth have begotten you through the gospel therefore i urge you what should you do how do children learn when they pass was saying imitating their parents he doesn't even say imitate me as i imitate christ he says imitate me imitate he says somewhere else follow me as i follow christ here in this context he says i have begotten you through the gospel imitate me imitate me so what has he do in order to ensure that they imitate him what does he do is amazing you see the connection the next verse you look at what he says for this reason i have sent you timothy who is a watson faithful sir i have begotten that guy also and in order for you to imitate me i am sending you another faithful son who will remind you of my ways in christ as i teach everywhere in every church Whew. sorry for that but it was awesome that is just awesome this is incredible i don't know if you see the connections over there 
That is the only way we, with people learn when they have not seen Christ. But they have seen. But do we have mentors in this place? Galatians chapter 4 verse 19. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth. Have you ever seen a man going through labor? See this man. You will never see this. Until Christ is formed in you. Look at another verse. 2 Corinthians 11, 1 and 2. Verses 1 and 2. Oh, that you would bear with me a little folly. And indeed you do bear with me. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband. Who betrothes? A daughter? To a husband? Who gives away this wife, this bride to this man? Who comes? The father. This is exactly what is happening over here. Man, this man, Paul, was spiritually so fertile. Put him in prison, he's begetting people. I mean, not, I, you don't have to take my words for it. You can see this. This is this is interesting, no? Look at what it says in, this is Philemon. Okay, this is Philemon chapter 1, verses 2, 10 to 12. Therefore, This is 8 to 12, sorry. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you. Being such as such a one as Paul, the aged. And now as a, now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. What did I do? I have begotten him while I am in prison. In chains. Even in chains he's begotting. Can you imagine the fertility of this man? Spiritual. Boy. I mean this is a challenge for all of us. It's amazing. His entire objective in his life was to be a father. And to mentor people. Who was once unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you. Can you imagine now how Onesimus got trapped? I mean, I, this is a story which I made up, okay? This is something like I thought in my own mind. Onesimus was in Philemon's house. He was what? A slave. What did he do? He might have done something. He must have stolen his master's money and I would have parared. So in the time of pararing, he got caught. Where did you get that money? I stole it. Put you in prison. And then comes, he comes to prison and there is this man Paul. In chains and he looks at him. Tujhe kahin dekha hai. Finished. Oh, in Philemon's house. Started trembling. What happened to you? I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. I know how I get this. Because he tells me, you know what, when you go back to your master, if he has done anything from you, put it in my account. That is why I get this story in my mind. And what happens? You get chained to Apostle Paul, only two things can happen. Either he begets you, <laughs> or you just go out of the door to eternity into hell. Amazing. Who was once unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. So what does he do? This is exactly how people learn. You know what God gives us? He gives us godly mentors. And I'm telling you honestly, my dear brothers and sisters, look, look for godly mentors and they are there everywhere. They are there. They are there. We don't get, we don't receive because we do not ask. We don't ask. Lord, give me a mentor who will teach. And I'm telling you so many times it happened to me in my own life. And such an important aspect mentorship is. Because I've seen in my own life, and I'm telling you, this is a 
this thing, this is a principle which I have proven in my own life because I know my mentors who brought me to the Lord when I was, when I was young. Three of them. One of them has become a champion of the LGBT rights. Where have you started and where have you gone? And I used to look up to them. Amazing. Amazing. That's been my burden in my own heart. I'll tell you why this is important. Even I just keep that in my mind because, because we become like the gods we worship, right? And our God is a, is a what? He's a, he's a, he's faithful, but he's what primarily? He's no, no, no. My, my God is a father. He's a father. He's a father. We'll come to that. We, but we should be conformed to the image of his son, right? But who is his son? Unto us a child is given, unto us a son is born, who shall be called what? Wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. Prince of Peace. We'll come to that later. Keep that in mind. First Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 5. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power. And in the Holy Spirit. And in much assurance. As you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. You see this man Paul is absolutely concerned about how people are watching his life. You know yes, absolutely sure that God looks at only the heart. And does not look at the outward appearance. But you know what man looks at the outward appearance. That is the reason that Paul says in Second Corinthians chapter 8 if I am right. I want to present myself faithful not only in the sight of God but also in the sight of man. Especially in the handling of the of the aspect of money. Understand this. And you became what? You did not become followers of Christ first. You became what first? Followers of us and then the followers of Christ. Having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. You see that? Hebrews chapter 13 verse 7. I'm just giving you verses in the Bible. How this is so important. Remember those who rule over you. Who have spoken the word of God to you. Whose faith follow. Considering the outcome of their conduct. You see that? What you see is the outcome of your conduct. Of their conduct and follow their faith. So these are all principles in the new covenant. But the old covenant gives examples. I want to look at one example. Very powerful example. This is Second Second Chronicles chapter twenty-four. Very very interesting example. Joash was seven years old when he became king. Boy, talk about a prince who became king at seven years old, and he reigned for forty years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zebiah of Beersheba. Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord, and you see that word all the days of Jehoiada the priest. He had a mentor. Who mentored him, and as long as uh, he was there, Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the high priest. And what happens? What is the outcome of this mentorship in verse four? Now it happened after after this that Joash set his heart on repairing the house of the Lord. He had a godly mentor, and his heart was set in repairing the house of the Lord. And then what happens? Several years later, his mentor dies, but Jehoiada grew old and full of days, and he died. He was 130 years old at his death and they buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done good in Israel and toward God and his house. 
Now, mentorship is gone. What happens? Now, after the death of Jehoda, the princes of Judah came. The young fellows will come. And paid homage to the king and flattered him. And the king, what did he do? Listen to them. And they abandoned the house of the Lord. You see that? Immediately they're gone. The God of their fathers. They abandoned the house of the Lord. The God of their fathers. You see that? He's equating the house of the Lord to the God of their fathers. Did you see that? Jesus was faithful in God, in all of God's house as a what? As a son whose house we are. Amazing. And served the God of their fathers and served Asherim and the idols and the wrath of God came upon, and the wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for the guilt of their, of theirs, for this guilt of theirs. And then what happens? Does he not have mentors? Does he not send mentors into their lives? No, he does. Yet he sent prophets among them to bring them back to the Lord. These testified against them, but they would not pay attention. Then the Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of God, clothed Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest. And he stood above the people and said to them, Thus says the Lord, why do you break the commandments of the Lord so you cannot prosper? But because you have forsaken the Lord, he has forsaken you. But they conspired against him and by command of who? Of the king. They stoned him with stones. In the court of the house of the Lord. Thus Joash, the king, did not remember the kindness that Jehoiada Zechariah, Jehoiada Zechariah's father had shown him, but killed his son. And when he was dying, dying, he said, may the Lord see an avenge. And this is exactly what happens. What it tells me is this. The fruit of mentorship is known after the mentorship is taken away. Or in the absence of mentorship. If you have real... You see, mentors can be faithful. But what about us? How do we appropriate that? That is the reason why... You know what grace is? Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ and grace is a, God is a, God is a God of grace and grace is characterized by those two phrases much more. Much more. I know what, one of the much mores, if you are really appropriated the grace of God, God sees you as to how you behave when nobody is watching. Especially your mentors. Therefore, my beloved, as you have obeyed, this is Philippians chapter 2 verses 12 to 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now, what? Much more in my absence. Work out, don't, don't, you don't forget, when you are having mentors, you are not pleasing them, it is for your own salvation. Work out what? Your own salvation. Yeah, can you remember all the, when, when uh, we have some students in our class, they say, uh, can you do this entire exercise? Uh, of problems. I should do the entire exercise. I cannot not just do this problem, this problem, this problem. You should do the entire exercise. Entire sums, all the sums. Uh, Baba, this is for you, not for me. I should study this also. Baba, this is for you, not for me. <laughs> this is for your good. I mean, you ask my dad, he'll tell you. <laughs> I mean, he found, he had all spectrum of students he has seen. Those who solve every problem, 
with interest you know that is that is how you know mentorship has worked you know how mentorship has worked i'll i'll tell you how mentorship has worked i know mentorship has worked if that guy has that interest created him now he doesn't need anything else he wants to solve everything on his own mentors inspire him but when the mentors are gone he's gone he's gone I mean, I'm not boasting, okay? This is something, this is, this is what happened in my own life. I'm telling you examples from my own life. This is not, this is a principle which I've seen. That was, I used to teach in IIIT for seven, eight years. One of the courses is my favorite course. I mean, I knew it left and right, inside out, everything. Every bit of it. I never used to go to the class with a pen and paper. I mean, sorry, with a, with a, with a text notebook. Never. That was my aim in life. When I go to the class, don't go with a textbook. So when I ask, when they ask me where is your textbook, it is in my mind. I tried, I'm trying to do that with the Bible, but I'm failing miserably. But that's okay. At least, at least I'm trying. Yeah, I want the content in my so I had lectures one to twenty-eight in my mind. Okay, I I go to the class like that and I prepare really hard. I enjoy teaching. I mean, but unfortunately, you'll see in 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 many of the research institutes, researchers are not good professors, teachers at least. Okay, there was a guy in my class. Okay. I used to teach that this was my favorite course and that guy used to enjoy my class and both of us was to ask the question, tuck the answer. Ask the question, tuck the answer. Awesome. It was like a resonance going on over there, no? And then when I give them, given the exam paper, I usually monitor the exam as well. He is the first to finish. In fact, he's the last to come, first to finish. He first to finish goes and I said, why did it? Aced the course. A. A guy. A grade. At the end of the course. Three years later, I met him. In the university. I was just walking down. I mean, I've finished university now. Everything is done. I'm going, I'm going, tada, bye-bye. I saw this guy, tall dude, right? He's coming to me and he looked at me and he said, Hi, sir. Hi, sir. Okay, the triple IT has got a very Western culture. Hi, sir. I said, hi. Uh, he said, what, what's up? What are you doing? I mean, I said... Uh, I hope you're doing something good now. I know that you aced my course. You were one of the best students. He looked at me and he said, you know what, after you, after your teaching, after you left, I never found another professor like you. I lost all interest. And my CGP has gone down. You know what? Actually, I failed as a professor. I don't take, take it as a compliment. I take it as a failure. If you can only be inspired all the time. Even in classes, they want entertainment. You want to always be inspired. If you can only be inspired, you always need somebody to mentor you and coax you and cajole you. It's not going to work out. It's not going to work out. You know, the, the proof that the mentorship has worked is when you see the outcome when there is no ostensible patrolling. Raison. Take that. Look at another mentor. His joy is full. You know why his joy is full? Look at this. This is Third John. Okay. Third John. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Why? For I rejoice greatly 
when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. Why? I have no greater joy than to, you know what, I'm not there, than to hear that my children are walking in truth. I'm not there. I'm not there, but you guys have got it. I've got it. Beloved, you do it. You do what? Faithfully, whatever you do for the brethren and for the strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. Now that is the reason why Paul is heartbroken at the Ephesus church. This is what he says in the uh, church of the Ephesians, Acts chapter 20. And indeed now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to, the she- to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come not from among you, not sparing the flock. He is telling them, you know what, I do not see enough resilience among you that when I go out, things will be just the way I wanted them to be. No. Also from among you, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn every night and day with tears. It's amazing. The ultimate purpose of mentorship is to make us mentors. That is the promise of the new covenant. To make us fathers. Galatians chapter 4 verse 27. For it is written, rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. This is the new covenant, saints. I remember, you know, one of the, one, what is a tool of God, that God uses for sanctification? I remember Pastor Sundakishan talking about this guy in his show, a testimony of this guy. Several years back, no? Guy was struggling with pornography. Absolute struggle with lust and with pornography. And he was crying out and crying out and crying out and crying out. Saying, Lord, help me. get Enable me to get rid of this. And one day he had a very clear answer from God. Lord, whatever you ask me to do, I will do. You know what God said? Go to Bible college and train to be a pastor. I was so angry and he said, God, what are you asking me to do? Do you know what my struggles are? You know what God said? That is the instrument I'm going to use to sanctify you so that you can give birth to spiritual children. He's a pastor who actually heads a ministry to get rid of so, I mean, help many people get rid of pornography addiction. He has a huge ministry in Canada. Amazing. God trains us because every one of you Every one of you, the, re- the reason why we don't want sanctification or change is because we know what God requires from us. Ultimately, requires that we should lead others and we don't like that. We don't want to be looked up to. 
You want to hide? No, 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 no. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. No, don't follow me. No, no, no. The only way people learn is through imitation. That is where Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be, government will be, uh, will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called what? Wonderful. It's not wonderful counselor. Wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. 1 John chapter 12 verse 13 to 14. I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. Ultimate. You have not. Show me your way, so Lord, so that I will what? Know you. From the beginning. I have written to you fathers, not once but twice. I have written to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. So in order to, to make an everlasting father out of Jesus, what does God do to him? John's Gospel chapter 17 verses 17 to 19. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And you sent me into this world. As you sent me into this world, I also have sent them into this world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself. That they also may be sanctified by the truth. Amazing. Read Hebrews chapter 2. He says, those who are, those who is, the one who is sanctifying and those who are being sanctified all have what? One father. Therefore, he is not ashamed to call them his brothers. Amazing. Amazing. That is the ultimate purpose, to put responsibility of souls into our hands. That is where God is leading us. It is not easy to be fathers. And why? Because ultimately, every time you see, you see in the book of Romans chapter 5, you say, it was Adam, it was Eve who sinned, but Adam is pulled out. But Adam is responsible for his children. Eve was sinned, but Adam is pulled out. Being a father, John Piper made a very powerful statement. He said, many men are looking for people for how to be a man. They are looking at all these idols of what is manhood, ultimate manhood, when God himself became a man. He didn't become a woman. He became a man. Amazing. And therefore he tells Timothy, he tells this, Timothy, 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 you are my son now. You know what is your ultimate purpose, Timothy? 1, 1 Timothy chapter 4. He says, let no one despise your youth, but be an example, Timothy, to the other believers. In word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. I remember Pastor James talking to Eric for a few, few weeks back when he was there. He says, do not be like a boy. Lead by example. Don't become a stumbling block. Amazing to all of us. I mean, I was hearing, I was also... Yes, Lord, for me. I don't, I'm not looking at what he was telling Eric. He was telling what, I was looking at what he was telling me. Be an example. Be an example. Let no one despise you because you are, you, because you are young. Don't become, don't let people become familiar with you. No. Let, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. He's telling, I'm not here, but you be a true mentor even when I'm not there. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the, of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourselves entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Everybody should see it, Timothy. Take heed to yourself and your doctrine. Why? Continue in them. For because in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Just don't think that it's going to stop with you. 
That is the ultimate call. And he tells Timothy in 2 Timothy, this is, this is my mission statement for my life. 2 Timothy chapter 2. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me, among many witnesses, commit it to other faithful men who are able to teach others. So if you want to be like this, what should you do? If you want to be a sanctifier in the hands of the God, you yourself should be what? Sanctified first. Therefore he tells in verse 20, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also vessels of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor. Sanctified. You see that? The, the vessel who is supposed to sanctify others should itself be sanctified first. And useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Free therefore, useful lusts. Pursue righteousness, faith, Love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. You know why? Because you have to commit the things that are entrusted into your hands to others, so that they can also train others. There are four generations from me to you, to you, to them, from them to the next generation. Four generations over there. Everybody should be a father, because my God is a father. Have you seen God as a father? You become like him. And it is not easy to be a father. Ask me, boy, the, I didn't never wanted to be a father, first of all. You give me a choice, I never wanted to. Because I knew. My life changed. And I didn't like the change. I didn't like it. I'm being honest. I like it. And ultimately, one day, my daughter had to remind me. And I told her, when I'm in your class, I'm not your, fa- I'm not your father, I'm your teacher. She said, you're not a father. You're a father of nations. That's what she said. I said, Mama, don't tell me that, please. <laughs> Mama, you don't tell me that, okay? But you see that in the old covenant, there's only one father who's called Father Abraham. And that is the reason why, you know what God tells of the father? He says, I know Abraham. He's going to command his children. How is he going to command his children? Because he's also he himself is going to live a life which is worthy of to be commanded and worthy to be followed. He's going to reflect me. When when people wanted to make a name for themselves, that is Babylon. What did they want to build? Babel. Ultimately, confusion. When God wanted to build something, he built a home. And he called out a father. Because he himself is a father. Young sisters here, I mean, you are called to mentor younger sisters. Because I don't believe, this is my personal conviction, I don't believe that men are called to closely mentor women. I don't believe that. At least to the level of the faith that I have right now. I could be wrong later on. But, but Jesus could say that, no? Jesus he was 33 and a half years old when he, when this, well, with this woman who was possibly older than him came, she said, daughter, faith has made you whole. Jesus could say that, but still not me. I, that, that's the reason that God needs younger sisters in the church who can mentor other younger sisters. With faith, love, peace, pursue those things so that you can 
become like your father ultimately that is an ultimate ultimate you know this is this this requires discipline of the ultimate kind it is it is going to require every ounce of spiritual energy from you and surrender from your heart surrender from your heart to be dependent upon him to make your father shall we pray father we thank you yes lord father we thank you lord let not young people over here think that they are too young to be fathers let not them be think that it is they are too young oh lord you said you told timothy let no one despise you because of your youth but be an example in word in love in purity in faith and let your conduct and your and your growth in spiritual things be evident to all that's what you're calling us all to lord so that we can be like you and we can tell like isaiah i and the children that god has given me are for signs and for wonders in israel i and the children father grant us that burden enable us not to be stumbling blocks to younger people in our church thank you father grant us grace to that end grant us a burden to that end praise you we worship in jesus name